If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, with a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands. We have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have colorado beers on tap all the games on the tvs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue Welcome in to a Monday edition of the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Elixinol. And don't take our word on Elixinol. Take former Broncos quarterback Jake Plummer's word on it. Plummer is a huge fan of Elixinol's hemp balm, a topical pain reliever that's just one of their many great non-THC products. What's more, 5% of your purchases go to a nonprofit of your choice when you visit Elixinol.com to get yours today. Well, welcome in to a Monday edition of the show, and uh, we hope you had a fantastic weekend. I personally did. How about you, Zach? Fantastic. It was as action-packed as can be. Had four birthdays, a rehearsal dinner, and a wedding. All all in two days. Wow, that is impressive. I had a birthday, and you were there for that. It was it wasn't blast. my birthday. It was, it was my a blast. And then I also went to the Garth Brooks show, which I just mm. have to t- talk about for a second. 84,000 people at Mile High, the most ever. Uh, for an event and Zach it was unreal I mean I never have I don't know if if you guys have ever heard 84,000 people singing in unison uh, and dancing and having fun or having the you know the lights up on their phone it was incredible at a stadium that holds 75,000 yep they threw (laughs) 10,000 people on the field wow I mean, it was in the in the stage was right in the middle, right? So it was kind of a 360. 360 stage, so they used the south stands. That's what really opened it up because most uh, concerts don't use the south stands. Right. So they used the south stands. They used the, every inch of the floor. It was cool. I talked to someone who said they got emotional. It was so cool. Were any tears coming out of your eyes? You know what? I would have admitted if there were, and I actually 
wouldn't have been surprised if there were but no no tears for me it is easy though just like be overcome oh yeah by like that type of scene yeah garth was overcome he said it was the best night of his professional career and i was kind of annoyed because i was reading some reaction to that and people were like he says that about every place (laughs) i went back i looked through his tweets from like his last 40 shows he has never said that so uh, it was pretty special, pretty cool. He was blown. I mean, almost after every song, he was like, "Are you guys kidding me? Like this is insane." So, uh, how did it work? Did he come like from under the stage? Yep, mm. he did. He did come from under the stage. Everyone went wild. I mean, it it was loud, like like football loud in there when people were cheering for him. Um, and so, if you haven't ever seen Garth Brooks live, and he's coming near you, and you aren't someone who like hates country or whatever. <laughs> Even if you are, I bet you would enjoy it. But go see him; like he is such an incredible entertainer. There were the he he gave the stories in between songs. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he was one with the crowd the whole night. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. Uh, anyways, we are. I know we've kind of probably said this a couple of times, but now we're like really, really in the <laughs> off season. This is the only true off season this year with the coaching changes and everything. Right, we're on a five week countdown to training camp which will go by faster than you guys think but one of the things that we really like to do in the offseason is take a look at what the national perspective is of the Broncos because you guys get such a in-depth look at what we're thinking about the Broncos and, and you probably also get a pretty decent feel for what the for what the local guys are thinking of the Broncos I always like to around this time say, okay, what are the national guys thinking about the Broncos and where do we stack up, I guess, against what they're saying and what we're saying. And so uh, Adam Rank of NFL.com did a really nice piece that I actually would encourage you to read. You don't hear me say that much about anything that's not on BSN. (laughs) But it's just a nice kind of primer, I would say, for the season. Uh, And it's titled State of the Franchise. Big changes give Broncos reason to hope. And he goes over a lot here, but at least for today, Zach, I want to go over a couple things. And the first is what he's calling the 2019 roadmap, which essentially is his biggest and most important questions for the team. So I want to go through what he says and what we think of each of these things. And I want to start in the middle here. I'm not going to start with the first one because I think this one is the most important. The question is, will the Broncos have a cohesive offensive game plan? Here's what Adam says. The Broncos hired former 49ers quarterbacks coach Rich Gangarello as their offensive coordinator. He has the right pedigree, or at least the right connection to the right name, having worked under Niners coach Kyle Shanahan. Is it weird that when you see Scangarello's 47 years old, you think he's too old for the job? If you aren't an OC by age 22, then your career is basically over, right? Another good point for Scangarello is that he spent time coaching up guys like Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard in San Francisco. So maybe he's not lying when he said he's looking forward to working with Flacco this season. You know what's really funny about this is he's talking about Scangarello being too old and being an old guy. Everything that we talk about, and, and I think the local market talks about, is how he's this young guy, or at least this innovative guy that's bringing all these new concepts in, and people really talk about him like he's this 22-year-old guy. And it's funny when you take a step back, like Adam did here, that you realize, oh, he isn't a young guy, but he is bringing 
that young energy and the young playbook with him. Completely agree. And the funny thing about it is the reason that we think that is because he's he's a riser. He's an up-and-comer. So it makes you think he's you know a younger guy. In the grand scheme of things, he is on the young side of the scale. Um, he's not Sean McVay and I've already forgot Zach Taylor. Uh, but he is on the young. I mean, you know, he's 13 years younger than Vic Fangio. Like he's one of the younger guys on this particular staff. So he is in, in the, in football years, kind of young. The reason that we think of him as young and innovative though, is because he's just getting on the trail, you know, like he went and did the D2 offensive coordinator thing. And then he did the quarterbacks thing. And like, Ever since then, it's just been a steady rise for him. So it makes it it makes him have that younger feel, and he he acts young, and so he's right that he's not young. But the question here, Zach, is will the Broncos have a cohesive offensive game plan? And of all these questions, one I think it's the most important one, and two I think it's the easiest to answer. For me, the answer is unequivocally yes. And not just because of Scangarello, but. He doesn't bring uh, a ton of experience like you would expect a 47-year-old to bring. He brings the experience of what you would expect a Sean McVay type of guy to bring, where you know he has less than 10 years of experience in the NFL, but you couple that with about as experienced as a quarterback as you can find out there with Joe Flacco, absolutely as experienced of an offensive line coach and the best offensive line coach that you have out there on Mike Munchak, uh, and the, the, the innovative, forward-thinking ways that Rich Scangarello brings. And it's not like this is uh, an offense that he's making up and it, it may be a little too difficult to players to grasp and it's going to be too Josh McDaniels-y. No, this is the Mike Shanahan, the Gary Kubiak offense, that Kyle Shanahan made the 2.0 of, and he's going to make the you know two and a half version or the 3.0 version of that. So it we know this system can work, and he's adding his touch. So I just think, you know, on paper it could all blow up if if something goes astray. But on paper, the Broncos it, it's really almost the perfect group for this to be a cohesive unit. Totally agree. And I think Rich Scangarello is going to show right away that he is a future head coach in this league. Um, and I think what you'll what you'll see with him is someone who's very bright, someone who can execute this offense, someone's going to put this offense in position to succeed and the thing that I've I'm most excited to see from Rich Gangarello is is a guy who creates mismatches and gets guys open with their scheme we talk about this so much it's so hard to watch the Broncos play offense over the last three years because it nothing was ever easy and to me the key to offense is easy how do you get stuff easy and I can just tell from watching in minicamp and OTAs that this offense gets guys open on its own. It's not relying on guys to get themselves open. And that's what Deshaun Hamilton said a few weeks ago to us, which I wrote an article on, was he said, we're going to be throwing to a lot of open receivers. And 
you and I looked at each other and said, what a novel idea that is. And it's like the Broncos have been playing 8-on-12 football the, the past few years. Like, they've only had eight offensive players while the defense has had 12 because you just don't see open receivers or they're playing on a smaller field, seemingly. And that's you're, you're 100% right, Ryan. That's what this offense should allow the Broncos to be doing is make it look like, oh, wow, it's an even playing field now. Exactly. And that I'm excited to see. It'd be nice to see a full turn of the tables, right? Where all of a sudden the offense is getting easy yards and the defense isn't giving them up. Because even the year, one year removed from the uh, Super Bowl year, they were still giving up like chunks on chunks. And every year after that, you've you've seen this defense be strong. And in in the end of the day, the scoreboard usually read somewhere between 17 and 24, wouldn't you say? Yep. But it still looked easier for the other team to run offense than it did for the Broncos. Yep. This year, what I'm hoping to see, and what I wouldn't be blown away to see, is suddenly it looks easy for the Bron- easier for the Broncos on offense and a lot harder for the other teams on defense. Exactly. Exactly. And then when you look up at the end of the game and – the other team has 20 points. You're like, yeah, and that was a very difficult 20 points for them to get. 100%. All right, I'm going to go now to the next question from Adam Rank here, and, and I'll go to what I believe is the second most important one. Will the Broncos keep improving the offensive line? Here's what he says. The offensive line was in shambles a few years back and ranked just 24th in the league last season, per fo- fo- pro, pro football focus. Big changes were made to the group this offseason and improvement is expected after hiring well-respected offensive line coach Mike Munchak the Broncos made a big splash when they signed Juwan James in March the deal made him the second highest paid right tackle in the league but James is still a young guy who fills a position of need I mean you would you would have liked to have gone bargain basement but sometimes you have to pay a little more like when your Lyft driver has to charge surge pricing what can you do walk home I like that I like that analogy um and it's totally true. What are you going to do? Walk home? No, you went out and got Juwan James because that's what you had to do because your offensive line was drunk and you couldn't drive. So you had to do something and you paid that surge price. Maybe this is where I disagree with him the most. Last night I left my car somewhere. I didn't take a lift to go get it today. I ran to get it. So maybe you don't walk home. Maybe you run home. Get out of here. <laughs> so you're saying that the Broncos should have just drafted a right tackle in the fifth round no okay they made the right decision here they were in a time crunch they were in a crunch for sure and and it's a position that's given them fits for years here who knows if juan james is the the solution i think he's going to be part of the solution he's going to be a solution he's going to be better than what they've had at least for a while at this position so will the offensive line keep improving? Ryan, when I look back to one year ago, it's kind of hard to imagine how bad this was. What was one of the best pieces when you go through? Jared Valdir, who was hurt for some of the year. When he was in there, he was solid. He, he was solid. He's retired. <laughs> I mean, that kind of shows you probably maybe Matt Paradis was your best piece along the offensive line. He was also hurt this offseason. His value was not 
what he expected it to be when he hit the open market. And typically, values on the open market are huge. And what else was going on on that offensive line? Garrett Bowles was holding more than I think anyone could ever intentionally do. And how about this, Ryan? You had rotating guards. How mind-blowing is that? To, to, to continue to happen. You don't know who your five offensive linemen are. Any coach, uh, I guess 99% of coaches uh, will say this and players will say this, it is so important for a group to, group to gel. And the Broncos themselves were sabotaging that. They were saying one of the most important things that we need on, on this offensive line, we're, we're not going to let happen. We're going to choose to not let that happen. So how can this, after investing a second-round pick in the offensive line, after investing tons of money, the most money you did this offseason, in an offensive lineman, how can it not continue to improve? So this is an easy one. Yes. Yes, it will continue to improve. The question is, how much? If it's 5% and you just dumped, what, 50% into this offensive line? Well, that's not good enough. If... You know, you, you just invested 50% of your offseason in it, and it improves 50%, well, then you're right on par. If you invested 50% in it, and you get a 100% return, that's when you're talking about this team being serious. You lost me with all these percentage numbers <laughs> and stuff, but you're right. The main question is how much better will it be, because we think they've got... Here's what, here's what gives me pause before I say that. Left tackle, did it get better? Marginal? Can we it can should. we say marginally it got better just because of Mike Munchak? It should. Okay, so but how, we'll say, com- how comfortable are you saying that it will? I'm not because right. there's a there's a pro- you can lead the horse to water. I keep saying that about Garrett Bowles. You can lead the horse to water, but can you make a drink? And the problem with Garrett has not been the water; it's been him drinking. He's got to drink. So. I can I suppose I can comfortably say it will get marginally better just based on time on task as Bill Musgrave would have said and coaching but being better but you have to want to be coached so I'm just going to say like a tick just a tick better uh left guard we are going here from who is our starting it was Ron Leary well who was it last year after Ron Leary got hurt Okay, so it was Ron Leary. Now you're going to Dalton Reisner. Right. Um, is that better? No. A, a healthy Ron Leary last year. Dalton Reisner shouldn't be better than that. His his first year, I'm thinking like, you know, week one. Okay. So not better there. Center. No. You got no. worse. Yes. Right guard. Yes. You're going from Connor McGovern to Ron Leary. That is better. Yeah. Right tackle. You're going from Jared Valdir to Juwan James. That's better. That's a push. It's a push. It's a push, literally. On what shouldn't be a push is a push. Right. You got two downgrades, two upgrades, and one the same. How much better did you get in those better ones, and how much worse did you get in those worse ones? And I mean, the, as a collective. The good news you- there is that we we think that that Dalton Reisner is going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Ron Leary thinks that the Dalton Reisner is going to be really good. Um, and so that one you feel okay about, right? Right. You don't feel you bad. You don't feel like you're like, you me- you missed that. You messed it up. No. So you feel okay there. 
the I think the Jared Valdir to Juwan James is going to be huge, just because Jared Valdir was literally on his last leg. He's not playing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor McGovern, Ron Leary. If Ron Leary's healthy, you feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable with him being healthy. So that one's close. And the center one is the one I have the most concern. And this is funny because before the offseason program, I probably would have just been like, ah, that's fine. McGovern, ah, whatever. Paradis was good. McGovern will be fine. I'm not, I, I, I'm not nearly as worried about his blocking as I am about his snapping. Mm. I can't believe I'm saying this about a professional center. I don't feel comfortable about him, his snapping of the ball. Seems like a pretty easy thing to fix. It should be, but for some reason, the ball isn't getting where it needs to be. Not even close. A lot of the time. A lot of the time. So I don't know what needs to change there, but that's giving me a lot of worry right now. And it's leaving me to the point where I'm saying, like, center is a big downgrade. Hmm. That's a pretty important position, too. If it's if that's off and... Uh, Ron Leary, when they're in, or, or Connor McGovern, when they're in shotgun, instead of worrying about the calls and checks and who he's going to block right after, he has to worry about the snap because he still doesn't have that down after doing it for a full year. Then we're not just talking about a bad snap. We're talking about a bad read, an offensive line that's not on the same page, and then a center that is half a second behind on a play, and then you're just hosed. You know what's scary about all this? is as we're going through this, I'm coming back to one thing. The improvement of this offensive line rests on the shoulders of the improvement of Garrett Bowles. Mm. If Garrett Bowles can be good enough that you can slide away from him and leave him on an island, then this offensive line will be better because the right side is going to be handled. I trust Leary and James to do that when healthy. If Garrett Bowles is, is, an, is the same, there's a chance that this line could be worse. Well, doesn't this come down to Mike Munchak and Rich Gangarello making it so you don't really have to put it on the shoulders of Garrett Bowles? So you put it on the shoulders, you, you try to spread it out amongst the five as much as you can, but you just make an offense where maybe it's Juwan James that, that's getting the, the bulk of that, and Ron Leary, and... and you're able to scheme it up in a way where you're not putting potentially your biggest question mark on the biggest island. I think you have to figure that out before week one. And if the answer is that Garrett Bowles can't handle it, then you're in trouble. And what what if you're in trouble? What do you do? What you did last year, which is slide to Garrett Bowles. Now you're leaving Juwan James out there on an island. And, and yeah, he's getting paid enough to handle that. But... If you ask any offensive coordinator and offensive line coach in the league, they'll tell you that if you can't slide away from your left tackle, you're going to have a hard time. I thought you were going to say flip Juwan to left tackle. And I, I mean, just, hell, I just you might as well at that point. And I just don't think that'll – because pe- people happen. have mentioned it. It's not going to happen by week happen. one. No. I mean, Ryan, and if we're talking about that midway through the season, it means really bad things. Because I think they're going to try to give they're tr- going to try to give everyone a year under Mike Munchak to see. Would I be shocked if Garrett Bowles is the right tackle next year and Juwan James is the left tackle? No, I wouldn't be surprised next year 
with a full year for Mike Munchak to go, okay, we, guys, John, Rich, Vic, we tried. We really tried. If we do this again, it's only going to hurt us. But Mike's, Mike's a patient guy. See, to me, this is sink or swim for Garrett Bowles. It's you're either the left tackle this year and you lock that down and the Broncos even pick up your fifth year option because you had such a great year or the Broncos are pretty much on to life without you. They're they're trying to fix the left tackle position this offseason. Right tackle's already taken care of. They're not going to move Juwan James. And they're saying Garrett Bowles, your depth for one year and then you're gone. I don't I don't disagree. What I'm saying though is I think he gets that full year at left tackle unless things go crazy astray. Yeah, I mean he's definitely going to get some time. If he sinks though early, they're going to have to do something. Um and I don't know what that is. I mean heck, you could move Dalton Reisner to right tackle and Juwan James to left tackle and Elijah Wilkinson on the inside. Like that's possible. It's possible. Mhm. Um but I think it can o- you can only go so long. Like, you can't – I don't think you can go a whole year if it's not working. So the question, Ryan, will the Broncos' offensive line keep improving? I can't say yes. It has to. It, ha- th- it simply has to. Th- that's <laughs> – you know, the one thing that's, that's positive, and we wrote it in the final observations piece of the offseason, is that Joe Flacco looks pretty comfortable under pressure. But – you don't want check downs and dump offs every play. You can't. You can live with it on first down. Right. And, you know, now it's second and seven and whatever. It's better than second and ten. But you can't check down on second down two and then go and complete on third down. What has drove fans absolutely crazy the last three years? From every quarterback. For, from every quarterback. This one may be the most on third and seven and the quarterback throws it four yards. That's what a check down is. And uh, you're right. You can do it on first down to get second and seven. You can do it on second and ten to get third and seven. If you're just going to consistently do that on third down, you're going to consistently see what the Broncos have had recently, and that's three and out, three and out, three and out. Fans pulling their hair out. And, uh, and real quick, I understand the frustration. When I'm sitting in a fan's chair – I'm frustrated too. There's a reason that that happens. And it's because the other option is get sacked. It should be at least. The other option is get sacked. So you're saying, all right, well, I'll at least get this out of my hand. Give Devontae Booker a chance to break a tackle and go make a play. And you've it, and everyone's seen that happen before where you get it to the tight end. You know, the, the linebacker slips off him. He extends the ball and they get the first down. So I, I'm, it's frustrating. I totally understand. But the reason is should be, I'm either going to get sacked or I can dump this off. And it's a balancing act of, yeah, do, do you take the sack? Do you throw it three yards? Do you try for the very risky play of throwing it 14 yards? If the guy 14 yards is wide open, every quarterback's going to do that. You know, maybe they miss it one out of every 10 times, two out of every 10 times, but they're going to take that. There's a reason they're throwing the checkdowns because the other one's risky. And sometimes it's just about weighing. Do you take the risk? Because it could be picked and returned for six. Then I'm sure as a fan you would want the four yards instead of the pick six. And everything matters where you are on the field. If you're on your own 20 and you're throwing it 14 yards down the field and it's getting intercepted, well, now guess what? It's their ball at the 34 at the best for you. Whereas if you're 
if you're at their 20, then they intercept it. Okay, well, well now they're pinned deep at least. You also just lost three points. If you're at the 50, which is where you take the most risks on third down, then, you know, okay, maybe they get it at the 35. And that's 15 yards worse than you were, and that's okay. But these quarterbacks are conditioned to not see every play the same. Every, you know, down, distance, time on the clock, score, it, it should affect every decision they make. One thing that you can feel comfortable with Joe Flacco is he's seen every situation a thousand times. He should know, generally, what the right thing to do is. He should. He should. And, Ryan, should we get to the final one here? Yeah, and so I guess we'll finish that one with I, – I can't, in good faith, give you the answer you're looking for, hoping for. <sighs> yeah, certainly. It should. But, again, should is not absolutely yes. This one, this last one is odd to me because I don't think it really has anything to do with this year. It doesn't. So I'm going to read this one. We'll react to it. But then I think we need to come up with a better question. Mm. The question is, will the Broncos be able to keep Chris Harris Jr. long term? The Broncos will face a decision on the future of one of the top corners in the league after the season. Harris did a nice, did get a nice bump in pay to return for this season. So the good news is nobody was traded. Nobody held out. The situation has been handled, at least for right now. But will Harris be there beyond 2019, and should they want to keep him long-term? The Broncos did bring in a pair of quality defensive backs during free agency in safety-slash-cornerback Kareem Jackson and cornerback Bryce Callahan. The latter is regarded as one of the best slot corners in the league and thrived under Fangio when Fangio was a defensive coordinator in Chicago. This trio could be pretty good. What's his answer? Will the Broncos be able be able to keep Chris Harris Jr. long-term? What's his answer? He doesn't know the answer. He just knows it's a question. Um <laughs> which has nothing to do with 2019, which is odd to me because of the subcategory is the 2019 roadmap. <laughs> uh, to me, this doesn't matter, uh, but I will, I will say, um, no, the Broncos won't be able to keep Chris Harris Jr. long-term. Yeah, no, they, they won't be able to. And if we've detailed it so much, but Ryan, if they were going to keep him long-term, they wouldn't have been light years apart when they started their their initial negotiations, which focused on keeping Chris here long term. Chris threw out the numbers of forty million guaranteed, fifteen million per season, and the Broncos were just wide eyed. They're like, "Oh, uh, let's not talk about this because we are so far off here." Let's just focus on getting you a little pay raise this year. Um, and that just tells me right there, why would Chris change his mind after this year? Now, the market may change a little bit because he's going to be 31 years old. Uh, but by the time, he'll be able to play under a next contract. But is he really going to say, you know what? That $40 million guaranteed I was looking for and $15 million plus, let's just do, let's just do $15 million guaranteed, $20 million guaranteed, and 10 million per year no it's not going to change that much and those numbers are honestly probably what it would need to change to for the Broncos to be game so odd question in my opinion doesn't affect 2019 this would have been good a month ago say is Chris Harris Jr. on the team week one that would have been a good question so let me ask you what is if do you agree that the other two are the two most important questions 
The scheme is interesting. I mean, the scheme question is interesting. That that to me just means is the offense going to be better? Yeah, it, it was an f- interesting way of saying that. The offensive line, yeah. That's the number one question by far. That's the number one question. So what is the third most important question? And mm. to me, it's uh, I, I want to go a different direction. What the most obvious is the most obvious is, is Joe Flacco still good can he still be good i want to go on the other side of the ball right so i was just gonna say you can ask a million questions about the offense you know, is the receiving core gonna live you know most of the questions rely revolve around the offense so let's go to the defense because that's where he went with his chris harris thing what's the most important defensive question out there does vic fangio's defense take and need the one to two to three years to be the dominant defense because in the past that's exactly what it's 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 needed Vic Fangio in San Francisco took over a garbage defense that like they rank like 31st in the league when he took them over the next year you know they they rise to 20 the year after that they rise to 10 the year after that yeah you know they're top three the best defense in the league well then he goes to Chicago and he takes over the 32nd best defense, a.k.a. the worst. Garbage. Hot garbage out there in the human Chicago. The next year, they're like 15th. A huge improvement. Year after that, 10. Last year, the number one defense in the league. So slowly but surely. And actually pretty quick for a rise like that. But it wasn't overnight success. Now, Vic's in a much different situation here with the talent that he has. But are we maybe being naive? Is it not just us? Everyone being naive and saying, oh, man, you put Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Chris Harris, Kareem Jackson, all this talent with Vic Fangio, instant, instant success. They're top five, top three, potentially best defense in the league. Are we being a little naive and thinking that everyone's going to be able to grasp this defense so quick? And as Vic has said, master this defense in order for them to play fast are they going to be able to do that in just a few months? That's exactly where I was going to go. Um, and I'm not worried about it, honestly. Now, maybe I am being a little naive. To me, the combination of talent and scheme is too high for this defense to not be good. That We know the scheme is good. We know the talent is good. Now, here's what I'll say. There are going to be some bumps in the road. And the reason is because zone, and it's not all zone. I mean, everyone wants to talk about that. The reason is because it's the zone part is different. We know they can handle the man. They'll be fine. But zone is a lot, is feel-based. And it's communication-based. And it's kind of have to know what the guy next to you is thinking. And that takes time. And it is going to take time. And so there's going to be a time where the linebacker thinks that he's covering his own, but the slot corner thought that he had the different zone. And there's going to be an open space in the field, and they're going to give up third down that they shouldn't have given up. It's going to happen. But by and large, when you take a defense that has Kareem Jackson, Bryce Callahan, Chris Harris Jr., Vaughn Miller, and Bradley Chubb, I'll just stop there. Those are five guys that have all pro capability. We thought Justin Simmons could be a pro bowler last year. At least I did. He has that type of capability. Will Parks, we think he's a a serious up-and-comer in the league. Um, 
Derek Wolf, we know what his ceiling is. Shelby Harris, I think Shelby Harris has all pro, maybe not all pro, pro bowl capabilities. So I'll just go back to the five I said. Chris Harris Jr., Kareem Jackson, Bryce Callahan, Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb. Five players who I truly believe are all pro caliber. You mix that with the smartest defensive mind in the league, arguably. Uh, and to me, they will figure it out. They will become a good defense. And remember, all those guys are smart. They can figure this out. This defense will be good fast. What's that mean? What What is good? Because what, what were the Broncos last year? Top 10? Like like the 10th best defense? If right you around there, Look yeah. around statistically. So what is what does that mean this year? It's got to be top seven or better. Okay. And I think you're not being naive. I think you're being realistic when you look at it like that. Because I think there's some there's some people that are saying, and I, I know you don't like the, um, uh, what is it, ceiling and floors. Because, I mean, it could be one, they could be 23. Mm-hmm. But some people think the Vic Fangio boost is going to happen year one, where they're number one defense. Now, I'm not saying it can't happen, and I'm not going to press you to say, can it happen or can it not? But going from 10 to th- 10 to 7, uh, you know, uh, 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 that's significant. And it's if they're trending in the right direction, which I think they will be. The year after that, I think they can be top three. And then in year three, we're talking, you know, number one defense because Vic said there's a lot of small things in this defense. It's the nonverbal stuff. It's knowing where to be. Uh, without needing to communicate with that that deep safety, and just realistically, people will rarely tell you going into a season. But then you know, with the quarterback, how comfortable with this offense? Oh, I know it. I know. I know it all right now. Then after the first year of them being in it, they say, you know, there's so many things that I picked up this off season that I didn't know. You get the truth, and that's what's going to happen with with Vic's defense. It's going to be on Vic to give them 95% of the playbook in the scheme this year and then five install that final 5% next year so that not not to make it too much for them and I think he's going to be very good at that. So, we leave this with one question, two uh, we feel comfortable at two of the questions. Scangarello scheme and Fangio scheme essentially is what it boils down to. And I still think the second biggest question is is Joe Flacco. Um, and I feel pretty decent about that one. So the problem is that that one question that we aren't comfortable about can derail all the other two that we are comfortable about. If the offensive line sucks, Joe Flacco is not going to be good. And Rich Gallagher's scheme is going to look like crap. That's just the truth. So it's crazy to say it, but to me, like, the success and failure of the season comes down to those guys figuring it out. And he has a final question. For 2019 to be a successful season, the Broncos must, in all capitals, must. And Ryan, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but Mike, the Mike Munchak effect has to be real. That's my must. That's your answer. My, <laughs> it's your must. I can smell it from here. <laughs> uh <laughs> I'll probably your... have that after the run I went on. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Here's what he says. The Broncos must have Joe Flacco start at least 15 games. Here's what it means, he says. If the Broncos are going to have a winning season, it's going to come with Flacco at the helm. There's an outside chance Locke could come in and have some rookie magic like Lamar Jackson did last year with the Ravens. 
It's probably best, however, if Locke takes some time to learn from the veteran on the sidelines. You want Locke to be in a position like Patrick Mahomes was during his rookie season with the Chiefs. He sat behind Alex Smith in 2017, started in Week 17, and then came out like a house on fire the next year. If the Broncos can get through a whole season with their veteran starter, then they can shake his hand and let him go going into 2020. Keeping Locke off the field also buys you another year of something to look forward to down the road. How does Joe Flacco start 15 games? By being healthy. By being healthy? And protected. Bada bing, bada boom. Joe Flacco is, we, we talked about it earlier with the, with the checkdowns. That can only go on for so long. Joe Flacco is, he needs time. He, he has looked good under pressure, but Joe Flacco is not a quarterback that can constantly be under pressure like Patrick Mahomes. And I know I'm not blowing anyone's doors off by saying that. He has to have some time. I think the season comes down to if the offensive line is average, is average, maybe slightly above average, they can just be 15 in the league, then this I, I can easily see 10 and 6 because that means Joe Flacco will be able to be above average and then this running game will have a chance and then the defense being a top 10 borderline top five that's the formula for this team if Joe Flacco isn't getting time he's going to get hurt history would history would show that if Joe Flacco is not getting time this offense is going to be on the shoulders of Philip Lindsay and opposing defenses are going to say, all right, let's take 30 out of the game and we're good. This is why I like to do these exercises <laughs> because we just can't, we just learn something and it's not as if we didn't know the offensive line is going to be important, but people talk about Mike Munchak being, you know, the coup of the off season and uh, you know, the, the most important addition to the team and et cetera, et cetera. It's bigger than I thought. The season rests on Mike Munchak's shoulders. Mm-hmm. He has to find a way to raise all boats, and all it takes. And we all, when we know this about an offensive line, you're only as strong as your weakest link. He's got to get McGovern snapping the ball in the right place. Should I mean he should be? I hope Connor's in the backyard with a tire hanging right now. <laughs> you know, just snapping it through the tire. Uh, he's got to get. Are people telling him this? Because to me, yes, it, it seems what well, seems so obvious. And this weekend, he he's Connor's a guy that's going to put the work in, but is it in the wrong places? This weekend, multiple social media posts from him, not of him out on the town drinking, not of him hanging with his buds, hanging with his fiance. It's him in his lifting. basement lifting, power <laughs> lifting. It's he he's putting the time in. Is just in the wrong thing? Hopefully, <laughs> he just didn't have the camera set up for the tire swing. <laughs> uh, someone's telling. Like I said, it's up to Mike Munchak. It's Mike Munchak's job to get him snapping the ball in the right place. It's Mike Munchak's job to get Garrett Bowles to listen the hell up and take coaching. It is Mike Munchak's job to get Dalton Reisner prepared. We're not worried about that. And the other two guys... <sighs> It's it's on him to just get them working cohesively. Yeah. It's not like I know this is kind of some people are listening to this conversation and thinking it's doom and gloom. It's not shouldn't be doom and gloom because if there's one person that can do it, they have him. 
The Broncos have the guy. It's not like we're asking Sean Kugler, is that his name? Yep. <laughs> to do this. Where we had no clue if he was going to be able to do this. Like, we know Mike Munchak can do this. And so that's why it shouldn't be doom and gloom. But ju- it's just scary that you are taking a bunch of unknowns and handing them to a guy and saying, make these known. Yeah. <laughs> that's scary. Like, that's scary. It's it's like, it, you know, if you gave if you, if you took away you and you took away Henry and you took away Andre – and you gave me three kids out of college who were very raw, and you said, Tur- "Get BSN Buffs going, or you know, get BSN Broncos rolling." We're talking hypotheticals, right? Yes. <laughs> and you're saying, like, "Come on, you have a month to get these guys ready." And and go- now, do I think I-, I could do it just as good as anyone? Hell yeah! <laughs> but from the outside. If you're saying, man, they don't have, they don't have any of those proven guys. It's just a bunch of unknowns. Right. There's they're they're gonna say, man. I mean, I believe that Ryan can do it, but it's kind of scary. And one of the guys doesn't even like being told what to do. <laughs> so how's he gonna learn it? Oh right. You know. <laughs> so it's scary. It, it's a re, it's reason to be concerned. But you just. You have to put all of your eggs in the Mike Munchak basket, mm-hmm. and you just gotta hope he can get it. He can get it right. It's all on the Munchak effect. It's a little a little worrisome. And the good thing is the the positive, he's the best out there. So you got the best out there. You gave yourself the best chance. Exactly, exactly. And you got the best defensive coordinator maybe in the league too. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. should feel good about where you are where you stand there but it's not it doesn't take any of the nerves out of it exactly all right before we move on here i want to tell you guys to make sure to subscribe to bsndenver.com and when you do you get a free t-shirt simple as that easy as that get a free sweet t-shirt whether it's the vaughn goat philip Lindsay homegrown the mile high salute we got more coming this season obviously but but right now there's plenty of great shirts in there if you're a rockies fan there's plenty of those as well uh, shirts for anyone, any size, any team. Make sure you subscribe to BS, bsndenver.com. You'll get all of our additional content. You'll get to comment on this podcast and have your comments read every single day if you want. Twice a day if you want. Just, just try not to write a book. But we'll, let, we'll even allow that to happen as well. So, speaking of those comments from the listeners, we will get to those on the other side of this break. The Greg Mastriona Golf Courses at Highland Hills offer something for everyone. With a championship 18-hole golf course, the regulation 9-hole blue course, and two par threes, golfers of all skill levels will find exactly what they're looking for. There's a lot of opportunities for families to enjoy the game of golf together here. as We do have multiple courses, all different skill levels, so it's a great place to teach and develop really a good way for families to you know grow their skills and enjoy the game together that was alan brown he's the director of golf over at highland hills if you're busy at work all day don't worry at highland hills it's never too late to start a round of golf well highland hills has a fantastic pay for what you play program it is designed for the player to play after four o'clock or five o'clock in the evening and you check in you play as many holes as you can until dark and then you come to the pro shop and we give you a rain check for any holes you don't finish we also do a really fun event glow golf on our par three golf course 
one time a month, $25, no cart, but we give you glow balls. It's a fantastic way to have some fun with friends and get out and enjoy the nighttime and the summertime here in Colorado. To learn more and book a tea time, head over to GolfHighlandHills.com today or call them at 303-428-6526. Getting into your questions here on the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Elix and all thanks to you all for tuning in on this Monday. It's going to be a, uh, an interesting week here, Zach, as I am moving from from downtown denver to denver tech center you're going south headed going south. south for the summer it's funny because i i'm not going to get to reap the rewards of the move until training camp starts but once that happens eight minute drive to work baby switching it up from the 30 to 45 right now yeah about five times faster can only mean more productivity better articles you know, all all improvements. I like that. I like that mindset. Probably less drinking and event going. <laughs> but <laughs> we've uh I just turned on that thing with that name of that girl who talks to you. <laughs> it, it's asking if we want drinking game ideas. <laughs> oh my god i think we just have to stop talking for like five seconds i think we're good now oh that was good uh then ask for parental controls to play us as for us to play these drinking games what Uh, what turned her on i I don't know but don't say it that's what she said um okay anyways making the move should be should be uh, good for my energy levels come week fourteen, and no drinking games, no drinking games. Yeah, probably still some drinking games. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into the questions here. First one is actually just a comment from Pedro Luis. Says just posting to say that I loved Mad Zach on complaining people. Absolutely right. <laughs> Cheers from a Brazilian fan. Especially when it comes to Patriots. What about the Patriots? It, I think it was me. I think it was just our conversation about about field day, about field day, and going off about people saying, "Oh, Tom Brady's there," and no, come on, Tom Brady hasn't been there. Mad Zach was great. I loved it. I loved the fire. <laughs> Hopefully, there can be some fire this next month. I'm gonna have to get mad about something bad, so maybe that wouldn't be good. <laughs> yeah, that would not be good. Next one's from California, orange and blue. Fingers crossed on that shirt giveaway plug. Thanks for that. Hoping since I just subscribed this week, I'm eligible. You should be as long as you sign up for a yearly subscription and haven't used your free shirt yet. Then, yeah, um, let me know if the people over at merch at bsnnever.com don't hook you up. Next one coming in from my guy, Roll Tide Chris. It says, morning all, chiming in on a few recent discussions. I became a Bronco in, tw- in 2000 after traveling to Colorado from Australia and meeting a hottie from Alabama living in Colorado Springs, i.e. I the Roll Tide. Hot tip. Together ever since. Missed the Elway years, but got the Saban years. Big smiling face. That's pretty so good you years. took on both of her teams? Was she a Bama and Broncos fan? Mm. And you just knew what you were doing? Yeah. Take on both the teams, lock her up for life? Smart man. <laughs> good, good move. First jersey was Ashley Lalee. Yep, I missed on that one, but I still have it along with a Peyton. First BSN store purchase, Philip Lindsay Homegrown. Ah, Great choice. I like that addition. Podcast for Zach. 
crime and sports, to live and die in L.A., and the teacher's pet. Thank you for those ideas. Crime, crime type investigative pods, something not easiest to listen to, but good nonetheless. Enjoy the summer, guys. Chris. Thanks for chiming in, Chris. Next one here is, oh, let me see. Let me make sure I'm in the right place. Steve Atwater Hall of Fame. Growing up a 90s fan, I remember seeing commercials with John Elway in it and wanting whatever he endorsed. <laughs> I still want a musical lollipop to this day. Worth a Google. What in the world? I have no clue. My point is that these players are role models. Oh, I think this is a response. So let me let me go let me go back mm. up. I thought it was for a second. Okay, anyways. From Z Christensen. What's up, guys? I'm a podcast addict, which is a testament to what you and the draft bros put out every day. Zach, check out Slow Burn. See, everyone wants you to get into podcasts. Yeah, I appreciate it. The first season is on Watergate. The production amount value is amazing with an incredible cast of real-life characters. Mm. And Crime Town, a gimlet podcast on Law and & Order, and the first season resolves around politi- political corruption in the made-up place of Providence, Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan can get in on that. If Gimlet makes it, it's good. Mm. I'll just tell you that. Here's the question that relates to uh, Steve Atwater's comment below. He says, what's y'all's take on this Tyreek Hill issue? I'm really struggling with this as an NFL fan, but but foremost, a father and a husband. What do you see or hear the NFL doing? I'm nervous we'll see nothing but minor punishment, despite the fact that he is a violent offender caught threatening his girlfriend on recording and possibly or probably breaking his child's arm. Is it worth giving up on the... Is this worth giving up on the NFL altogether in my beloved Broncos? Ryan, what was the news that came out this weekend about Tyreek Hill? I think it was that the police still couldn't find any conclusive evidence or something. And and I don't know if they wrapped up their case. I don't think they went that far yet. But it's going down the path seemingly of what they came to the first time was we can't find anything. And to me... That's such a shame. But the, uh, you know, I guess in Zach's terms, uh, the good news in this situation is the NFL, I think the NFL has everything they need in order to make a very big decision in this. Does it mean he's never going to be allowed back in the NFL? I don't know if they'll go that far. I think the NFL will crack down very very hard on Tyreek Hill. And in the NFL's eyes, I understand why they aren't making a decision. Let the legal process play out and then come in. Is it the best? And, and he's Ty, Tyreek's not doing offseason programs with the Chiefs, is he? No. So the NFL really isn't where, where I would like to see swift action taken. They're not in a time crunch. Their time crunch is, you know, week one. They can't have him on the field then, and I don't think he will be on the field. I think the NFL will make a decision before then. I think it'll be hard. I'm very concerned about this because I can see a like a four game suspension for violating the personal conduct policy or something along those lines. And that would be not acceptable. It would be catastrophic, in my opinion. Yep. Because regardless, the the police had to throw out the recording. It was deemed unusable in court. Well, that's some legal legal mumbo jumbo. We all heard it. Yep. And the NFL heard it, and the Kansas City Chiefs heard it. And what we can surmise about Tyreek Hill is that he's not a good person. 
And we knew that. A terrible person. Yeah. We knew that before. Right. Now, second chances, okay. I, I do believe in giving some people second chances. Um, now, I think there's a line where that should be drawn. But okay, he got a second chance. He blew it. Completely. He has no business being in the NFL. Or even on the streets. No. He is a danger yep. to those around him. And it wasn't a second chance like Shane Ray had a second chance in terms of, you know, he had some marijuana in his car and he fell in the draft a little bit. And, the you know, he had his second chance. No, this was an extremely violent crime that I believe he pled guilty to. Sure did. Before the draft. It's different. It It, it is terrible. So where I think... I'm okay with, with how the NFL is treating this right now in terms of a, a take a backseat because I do believe that they'll come out hard. I feel the complete opposite about the Kansas City Chiefs. Ryan, I have enough information that I need right now to, without a doubt, cut him. If I'm the owner of the team, I'm forcing the GM to do that if he's not going to. If I'm the head coach, if I'm Andy Reid, no way is this guy on my team. He is gone at least right after that recording came out. I and I don't care if it's if it's uh uh if it can be held up in court. I know who who he is 100% now. So I do think it's disgusting that the Chiefs still have him as a part of the organization. And here's something that, you know, I I think it needs to be kept in mind because there are there's someone out there saying like, "Well, what if all of this wasn't him?" You know, like, what if it really wasn't him and he really is, quote-unquote, innocent of this crime when he's covering it up for her? Someone knows what happened. And even if it wasn't Tyreek Hill, which I fully believe it is, then he's covering it up for her. To me, if a, if a man ever tells a woman, especially his wife, someone he's living with, that you better be deathly scared of me with, you know, some other words thrown in there. That, just enough. I don't want you a part of my business. I completely agree. And and for the Chiefs, regardless of what happens legally, to put this into, I guess, relatable terms, if you have a close friend, and, you know, I hope this no one ever has to go through this, but they commit a, a serious crime, and maybe legally they get off, but deep down you know, even if you don't have any evidence that you think they committed that crime, would you associate with them anymore? Right. I don't think I would. Now, I hope I never have to deal with that situation. Right. But even if it's a family member or whatever, the Chiefs know. The people in charge of that organization know. Mm-hmm. And they need to disassociate themselves. And if they don't, I think it's a very very sickening look into what matters there and it's not the safety of the people in their community or the character of the people on their football team it's just winning so that's our take on that as for your question is it worth giving up on the nfl altogether that's something that has to be very personal for you i i wouldn't say so um because i think it's a case-by-case type of thing um if you're a chiefs fan and they bring him back i'd say hell yeah it's worth giving up on on the chiefs right 
because then it's you're then you're directly supporting the organization who is telling you eh, it's not that bad beat up his pregnant girlfriend you know almost killed her eh, not that bad almost broke the arm of the child who barely survived the first attack in the womb that's eh, not that bad as right. long as we win that i would feel very dirty about yeah but because your team is the broncos I don't think you have to give up on the NFL altogether because of what the Chiefs are doing. Now, the NFL obviously could step in and do something as well. We'll see what happens there. I 100% agree with you that I can't tell you that you shouldn't give up on the NFL because that's that's your own personal belief. I don't think so, though. Uh, 100% right. Chiefs, though, yeah, you can absolutely give up on them, and, and I don't think you're in the wrong at all. And when we're just talking about this, this will be my last my last point in question, Ryan, is what good can come from the Chiefs keeping Tyreek Hill? And I just don't see what the good is. There's so much bad out there already. What in the world is do they believe is going to come out where they are going to be able to justify keeping this awful person on their team? Winning. Ugh. They, I mean, I guarantee you there's someone inside that organization saying, as long as we're winning, people aren't going to care. They might be mad for a week, two right. weeks, three weeks. We might even lose a couple thousand fans. But guess what? When we go win the Super Bowl, we're going to gain a million. Very, 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 very different circumstances. But how... Do you think back from last year and say, Julian Edelman was suspended for the first four games of the season? I don't. I totally forget that he was. Then he was a Super Bowl MVP. So that's, again, I am Julian Edelman completely different. Uh, He was busted for, was it? PEDs. Yeah, PEDs. So very, very, very different. But the Chiefs, you know, that's an example of, okay, yeah. I mean, if if Tyreek's gone for four, eight games, we'll have him for the next five, ten years until he messes up again of of just winning. And that, to me, is disgusting. Yeah. And, and, and we hope we can only hope it doesn't happen. And I'm sure there's like a little bit of a football angle to this to a lot of the fans. To me, it's not even about that. It's just you have like you just have to set a precedent at some point that says like these bad people can't be profiting off of this game. There has to be a line drawn somewhere. And I think wherever you draw the line, I think Tyreek has crossed it multiple times. Exactly. All right, let's move on here. It was a good discussion, so thank you for uh, the, the prompt. A little more fun here. Oh, actually, let's go and, and read what how that related to Steve Atwater Hall of Fame's comment. So he says, growing up as a Broncos fan in the 90s, I remember seeing commercials with John Elway in it and wanting whatever he endorsed. I still want a musical with lollipop to this day. <laughs> My point is that these players are role models, whether they want to be or not, and should be held accountable for their actions off the field. Sad reality is that all teams have players like this on their team. Eh. That's, I think he's pretty far down the spectrum. Yeah. You, 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 you know, probably every team has a guy that has done something wrong, whether it's, like I said, Julian Edelman with PEDs or Shane Ray with getting busted for possession of marijuana before he was in the NFL. 
Yeah, you probably can't find an NFL locker room that doesn't have a guy uh, that's had something. Something. Abs- I don't think you're finding guys in every locker room that are Tyreek Hill bad. That are hurting children? No. That's pretty far down the line. And the reason is because most people, if they did that, would be fired and uh, banished. And behind bars. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, he says to lighten this topic up, what's the worst commercial you can remember involving a famous athlete? I found myself crawling down the YouTube rabbit hole and came across some funny LA commercials. What the heck is a WYSIWYG? I have no... Couldn't tell you. What are WYSIWYGs and what are musical lollipops? What did, John, what are you endorsing here, bud? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like something that would probably go over well in Colorado, though, in certain, <laughs> certain parts. Well, what is it right now? The, his uh, American financing or something? Those, those are rough. <laughs> the one I remember, and it's I don't know if it's the worst I've ever seen, but it is one that was pretty corny, was John Elway at Folsom Field, actually, and that's why I remember it endorsing the vortex football mm. that and, and he throws it in the commercial a hundred yards across all of Folsom <laughs> field. That's that one sticks in my mind for sure. He's, he's got around. I mean, good for him. He's making money. He made his money. <laughs> well, just think of it. I mean, when you're that, it, it's just, I guess it's a little rare because we haven't seen, we've only seen two people of really that stature. Yeah. And the other one's Peyton Manning. Yeah. And he, he got around too when it came yeah. to ads. Yeah. What's interesting is John is is very, very much just this market. Now, could his ads work outside this market? Of course, but I think his all of his ads are you know, American financing, Colorado based company. Musical lollipops are not Colorado based. <laughs> Maybe know. they are, but it's not a local company. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think it's one that took off. Elway used to do the Got Milk ones. Did he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, remember he did the deodorant. Wow, he's done it all. Yeah, he really has. I guess if you've done wissy wigs, you've done it all, right? What the heck? Did you Google that? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's spelled like the most bizarre thing, too. It's got to be some sort of child's toy. I'll look it up. All right, you look it up. <laughs> the next one comes from Steve Atwater Hall of Fame as well. And he says, Raiders, Chiefs, Chargers. You ready for the three things you got to do here? Okay. Eat one, marry one, punch one go easy marry the chargers they're just you kind of feel bad for them you just want you want to put your arm around them so why not why not marry they're them? like cute yeah and lovable why not marry them okay marry the chargers eat one means so i'm just gonna go off punch one raiders i mean after the conversation we just had i kind of want to punch the chiefs <sighs> you're right you're right <laughs> you're right give them a little bit of their own medicine or do you want to eat them what again? Whatever that. Oh, is that in relation? Unfortunately, to- I have to punch the Raiders and eat the Chiefs because of their food. Kansas City's. Yeah. Food, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. He says, "Disclaimer: I don't condone violence. Even though I spent twelve years in the army, I just thought the reasoning might be comical." <laughs> <laughs> Did you find out what a WYSIWYG is? WYSIWYG is an acronym for "What you see is what you get." I haven't. That's that doesn't help us. That, yeah, that's not it. That's not. There's nothing else. Maybe try it with Elway on it. Mm. All right, I'll keep going here. 
from Nick Geyer. He says, man, I'm thinking of going old school with my first jersey, Ed McCaffrey, although the number kind of sucks. He Whoa. says, Boo Crosby. Ah, uh, yeah, Nick's a big hockey fan. Yeah, but McCaffrey just, came before Crosby. And I say Crosby's the outlier. That's not a hockey number. I like Crosby, so I'm I think the number looks good on it. Indifferent. But I think it's more of a football number for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And between Ed McCaffrey and now Noah Fant, had some good ones around here. I think 87 is a great number. Anyways, he says, before I go to the internet, does anyone know of a good source to get an Ed jersey? I want Ed's jersey because I remember hearing a rumor that he got little shoulder pads to improve his overall movement and catchability. And at the time, I was starting ice hockey, and I told my parents I wanted little shoulder pads so that my arms and chest would be way more bendable. Was this rumor about Ed true? Yeah, I mean, if you ever saw him play, his pads were tiny. Yep. I can say, humble brag, I was known for stick handling and scoring goals. Is this common change? Is it? Is this common to change gear for your specific skill set? Or do the players mostly listen to the training staff about gear and accessories? Uh, totally common. Usually receivers not only have smaller shoulder pads, but they also don't even wear the leg pads. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, some of them might not even wear a cup, or a lot of them might not even wear a cup, which I say is wild. Um, Didn't guys they- like Michael Bennett... He doesn't even look like he's wearing shoulder pads at all. It's weird. Yeah, didn't a rule just just come down a few years ago where you have to wear those those pads on your the leg pads? I think they tried to enforce that, but I don't think it actually happened. Because that's exactly what players were doing. They were saying this stuff is slowing me down. And look, if I'm going slower, yeah, I'm protecting myself a little more. But instead of the ten million dollars per year that I can get, I'm gonna be getting six. No, give me those four million dollars per year. Yeah, so reach out to Nick if you know of a good place to get an Ed McCaffrey jersey, although I'm sure it will just be the internet. I'm shocked that would be so difficult to get. I don't think it will be. Yeah. I have one. It just fits my dog. That's how small it is. (laughs) Is it meant for dogs? No, it was meant for small Ryan. (laughs) So, Ryan, I looked up WYSIWYG Elway, and you know when you Google multiple words and – in every article, it's not finding it. So it'll say, it, it'll pull up the articles and then below it'll say missing. Missing. WYSIWYG was in every single one. W- was missing. Was missing. Yeah, okay. Every single one. So we're you got to help, help us out there. Yeah, we're going to need some help there. <laughs> all right, here comes a novel. You want to alternate? Let's do it. This oh. might be uh, an all timer. Actually, this is the longest comment <laughs> of all time. Coming in from your favorite city, Ryan. From Foco OG. This one's a novel, but it's worth it, he says. We'll see. What up, guys? I just started my 30-day free trial so I could comment because I've been dying to get involved in the conversation. I'm definitely subscribing yearly once my free month is up. First question, can I still get the t-shirt if I started with the trial? Yes, you can. Um, just make sure you uh, you get the full year and then you should get an email. All right, I'll take this first one and then I'll t- toss it to you. My story started when I moved from Fort Collins at just six months old. Two Fort Collins at just six months old. I knew little to nothing about football. Until the first game I ever watched, which was Super Bowl 44. Wow. So very young. Yeah. Breeze versus Manning. I watched every Super Bowl after that, but nothing else as there was no football culture whatever in my immediate family. Well, that's what happens when you live in Fort Collins. (laughs) When I made made the team my sophomore year in high school, I found out that my dad played quarterback in high school and that he and my uncles 
used to be enthusiastic UCLA fans, but unfortunately due to overbearing and borderline abusive cousins, they passionately cheered for USC. All but one uncle eventually had the football flame die out. One day in the locker room, some of my teammates were talking about a Broncos game and asked me if I'd seen it and were shocked and confused to hear that I'd never once watched a Broncos game. Determined to fit in, I looked up the Broncos' schedule that night to see when they played next. The first two Broncos games I watched was a Tim Tebow-led Broncos loss to Brady Quinn and the Chiefs and a Fitzmagic-led Bills. I followed them to the playoffs to watch the miracle touchdown to DT in overtime versus the Steelers and was hooked. I remember everyone at my grandparents' house cheering and jumping up and down. I've been a diehard Broncos fan since. I've single-handedly restored a football culture in my family since then, and I get both my parents and my three brothers into the living room to watch the Broncos play every single week. I bought everyone jerseys, two 88 Thomas jerseys, one white and one blue one for two of my brothers, an orange 87 Decker for the other. There's another good 87. And a number seven blue from my dad, leaving my favorite player in jersey color for myself. A blue 30 Terrell Davis. Even my mom and two sisters wear Broncos t-shirts on occasion. I began to suffer more and more each offseason. And each offseason felt longer, leading me to seek out Broncos podcasts. First one I found when searching YouTube was a Huddle Up podcast. I got addicted fast and later sought out more, finding Locked On Broncos podcasts and, of course, the BSN Broncos podcast. I still listen to every single episode of all three podcasts and love them all. But I have to say you guys came out on top and making me laugh and having the most fun. Well, that's what we go for. <laughs> I now you. listen to all four BSN podcasts and now follow my Colorado sports teams religiously, including my hometown CSU Rams. Sorry, Ryan. Well, <laughs> your BSN subscription might mean more to you soon. <laughs> we moved to Las Vegas three years ago and I get big time homesick extremely often and nothing cures me better than listening to you guys talk about my favorite hometown teams. I've almost convinced my wife to move back to Colorado, but she won't go until I find a good job. I'd love to maybe get involved in Denver sports media in some ways. Any suggestion? Find a way in and yep. just keep knocking down the door until someone else, until you get a, a bigger, better, stronger job. Yep, they say get the foot in the door. Maybe get a nail in the door, then turn it into your pinky finger. Ow. Then then maybe you'll work your way to the foot and then whole body. And it's it's really just reach out to as many people as you can. Exactly. He says, Team Ramen, and I won't type the other one so Ryan doesn't have to say it. I use the 89-cent pockets, but I packets, but I break the no- rules and drain the noodles and make a sauce of milk, butter, and the seasoned packets and toss it in the noodles, making it creamy. Then I experiment adding chicken and other vegetables to spice it up. Wow, impressive. Sounds good. I preach to everyone that Colorado Tap is the best water in the country, and I don't trust anyone who prefers to drink water anyway but ice cold. My Broncos-related question, is Derek Wolf underrated? Where does he need to improve to acknowledge, to be acknowledged as one of the Broncos' greats? I've always thought he was a great and consistent player that never quite got the credit he deserves. Thoughts? Thanks for keeping me rooted to home, everyone. You guys are killing it, so keep it up. And, and first off, before we get to your question, uh, Foco OG, what, a, what, what an awesome story. I mean, not just hooking your family back into football and Broncos and bringing everyone together, but doing the exact same thing with yourself with BSN. Yeah. So so cool. We're happy to have you on board. 
crazy story. I'm the timeline has me a little thrown off. But <laughs> I, I'm not going to worry too much about it. First, you thought he was like seven years old. That now he's got a wife and yeah. he's playing high school football. Uh, I, I had trouble with that, but otherwise, <laughs> I need years to uh, to fully understand. Derek Wolf. Let me ask you. Let's just start here. Is Derek Wolf a Ring of Famer? No. I don't think so either. How many Pro Bowls does he have? I think it's zero. Yeah. Actually, I know it's zero because he was drafted after Von Miller, right? Yeah. And Von Miller and Julius Thomas are the last two drafted players to make a Pro Bowl. That's wild. It is wild. Um... I don't think so. So, because then you're just going to give it out to everyone that was a long tenured guy, right? And again, I go back to who isn't: mm. Ed McCaffrey, Al Wilson, Mike frickin' Shanahan. <laughs> so that's where I start. Um, so is he underrated? I think he's rated properly rated. How much money is he getting? Ten million a year. Yeah, that's that. You are you are paying him. Big time bucks. Now, now here, here's here's where I understand where you're coming from, Foco OG. Is nationally, people probably aren't talking about Derek Wolf, and Derek Wolf. Just listen to Von Miller himself has a huge role in in helping Von get all the sacks that he does. So, from a national perspective, yes, he probably doesn't get that credit, but that's his role is to help Von Miller get the sacks. Let Let's say they changed it to make Derek Wolf be a sack master i don't think he would properly live up to that role that that's that's not who he is so i think he there's probably a lot of guys around the league like this that do a very good job at what they do but that job isn't to get all the national attention yeah i think you're right i'm trying to think of like someone else who's comparable who was just a bronco for a long time not necessarily a great just someone who you say like oh he was a good bronco right but that's what I co- that, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And that that's not a dig at him. He's getting 10 million bucks a year. The Broncos know he's really good. He's re- good at his role. Yep. From Mile High DGO. Hey guys, I had to share something with you. I was listening to another podcast. A lot of talk of other podcasts today. What's up with that, guys? He says they were talking about having a Denver Media Field Day. Ryan got all the compliments they had. Ryan not only winning the three-point shootout, but dominating the home run derby. You? Me. You, Ryan? This Ryan. (laughs) As they put it, he has a certain kind of swag. Mm. So since Zach's got giggles and cute laugh now, (laughs) I figured swag Ryan is appropriate. Thanks, guys. Uh, You do a great job making my drive awesome. Thanks, Mile High, for chiming in. But, Ryan, are we putting bad juju on you? If we give you swag in front of your name. I'm not getting drunk and stumbling into <laughs> anyone's house or Depends. You know, grabbing my AK. What costume will you be wearing when you do that? I hate costumes. <laughs> well, so then probably nothing. So then you're good. All right, I'm good. <laughs> swag RK. Lock it in. <laughs> Next doesn't, one. Doesn't quite have the same ring to it, it. It really doesn't. Next one coming in from Micah Pexy says, Hey, Ryan, I love the inside stories about Josh McDaniels era, etc. Those... Those are the type of stories that we never get to hear as far as fans. More of those, please. Brito Chad, Swag Kelly, you could say, chimes in and says, I second this. Such interesting insight. I wish I just had one off the top of my head that I could rattle off right now. Yeah. Uh, but I will tell them whenever they come up topically. We And, and it's, 
the ones like the Josh McDaniels that you had are are great for for this. But we have a lot of ones where if you you meet us at uh, at one of the watch parties, or the BSN Open, those are easy. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there's lots of stories. I'm just trying to think of like one sort of like that Josh McDaniels blow up. Yeah, they'll come up. Just gotta listen every day, especially this month. Yeah, exactly for sure. You want this next one? Next one coming in from Sunny Rain says, I wonder if Gumballs knows he's Gumball. If not, someone should just tell him. And here's here's what he says. Look, man, we've all decided that you really enjoy rolling along in whatever direction life takes you. If something suggests that you move to the right, you're not all you're not all mean about it. You roll on over. If something decides that you go backwards, do you do you get a how dare you attitude? No. You just do what you do and roll that way quick and easy. This is mean. Therefore, because of your accommodating spirit and haphazardly helpfulness, we dub thee Gumball. Wow. If you put it to him this way, trust me, he's going to be like, yeah, I'm Gumball. Woo! I'm rolling, yo. <laughs> Weird comment. Um, I don't think anyone will be telling him that. I don't even know who he's referring to in this (laughs) all right from burrito chad personally i think cute laugh zach just makes him seem badass Mm. it's like whenever a boxer is known as baby face (laughs) so i'm intimidating i love it burrito chad there you go total side note but because we were deep down in the part of camp thought i'd share the background of how i came to listen to bsn a couple years ago i used to listen to probably five different broncos podcasts this is so weird They slowly fizzled out due to, <laughs> due to quality content issues until I was down to about two. I was listening to the non-BSN cast, and one of the, co- one of the co-hosts said, yeah, Danny Trevathan was my favorite player on the 2015 squad, which is splendid, except for he pronounced Trevathan wrong. <laughs> How can you say someone is your favorite player and say their name wrong? What do you think he said, like Trevathan? Probably. Oh, I'd just be ripping my eyeballs out. Yep. That was the last straw. I went down to BSN as my solo Broncos podcast and haven't looked back. Haven't missed an episode in over two and a half years, and I'm still blown away by the content you put out. I have to say, who was I telling you that someone was mispronouncing the other day? On the team right now? Yeah, I remember I was like, I was listening to the radio. Someone mispronounced this name. Let's just go through it. I've heard Sua Cravens pronounced wrong. I've heard uh, Deshaun Hamilton pronounced wrong. Domata Pekka was pronounced wrong all the time. So that was a frustrating one. That was a bad one. <laughs> um, Todd Davis was printing on. That that one's pretty good. Scangarello. Oh, yeah. That one's getting butchered quite yep. a bit now. Yep. Um, offensive line should be pretty good. Deshaun. Yep. I heard someone call... Um, uh draymond jones Devonte jones the other day <laughs> probably not a good sign for him there's one thing that i think we pretty much nail it's pronunciations of players at least once they're on the team with uh dalton reisner it took us a while to know <laughs> w- uh, which one was the pronunciation but once he was on the team we got it we figured it out and you know why because we could just go we ask these guys <laughs> All right, he says, while some casts have down episodes or even down members, your entire team is just solid. No matter who's on the podcast that day, I know it's going to be a great show. I now listen to Peter King and you, which is saying something in and of itself. I agree. Thank you. In my opinion, you're the most quality football podcast out there, not just for a Broncos fan, but for a sports fan in general. 
Cheers, friends, and keep doing you. Burrito Chad, that is way too cool. Thank you so much. We're we're you know, you had a happy ending mentioning other pods, but then saying it's just you now, baby. Love ya. Uh, and let's take a break here, and when we come back, we'll get to the rest of the questions of the many, many loyal listeners like you. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I gotta tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward and anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries. Uh, the Buffalo Chicken Wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Well, Zach, if this was a radio station, we'd be in trouble because we, we missed our break by quite a bit there. But that's okay um, because there's still plenty of questions left, but we definitely didn't split them in half. <laughs> we certainly did not. <laughs> and luckily, this isn't a, a radio station. We can do whatever the hell we want. And to you, that means a lot more of us and a lot less ads. Just the way they like it. From Cleavers83, quick Shirzy tip. I only ever had one that was pretty cool. It was a mashup of Manning and Welker. The front had 18 and the back had 83. Same with the sleeves. One had 18, the other had 83. It had my two favorite players at the time and my jersey number, 83, on it. So I would have kept it forever How had I not grown out of it. Now my little brother has it. All of that aside, no other jerseys are cool. A t-shirt will always be better. Did they intentionally do this? I feel like you may have got the only one. Take it away from your brother. Don't let him have it. I think it was a misprint. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. I've never seen them do something like that. That makes it like vintage. Yeah. So that would be cool. I would agree, Cleavers. I agree too. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. He says, is it ever okay to root for a division rival? Was listening to Tyler Columbus the other day, and he said that it... That if that he wants an AFC West team to win this to win the Super Bowl if the Broncos are out because it means that the Broncos are playing the best competition. I cannot bring myself to root for the Raiders or the Chiefs under any circumstances. Heck, I'll even root for the Patriots before the Chiefs. Well, we had that conversation <laughs> just about as in depth as you can possibly have a conversation about other teams on this podcast. Yeah, we talked about Patriots or Chiefs. For a whole week. And what did we say? And we came to Patriots. Actually, we didn't come to Patriots. We started at <laughs> Patriots. The middle was Patriots, and the end was Patriots. Never wavered. Never once wavered. And the funny thing about Dan Burke's comment, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but he said he can never bring himself to root for the Raiders or the Chiefs. He didn't mention the Chargers. And is that just because kind of what we said a few comments ago? Of yep. They're... They're just the little brother. They're, they're uh, you know, you, you can put your arm around them occasionally. Now, are you rooting for them every week? At Absolutely not. But if you really hate another team, I could understand you pulling for the Chargers under no circumstance. Could I ever see someone pulling for the Chiefs or the Raiders? Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where you have to, like, earn – hate and what reason would you have to hate the chargers 
Philip Rivers coming in here a few times and beating you. But if you really fall to those levels, then you're like Chiefs fans where, you know, you're arguing over regular season mumbo jumbo. Come on. You're, you're better than that. When, when you're talking historically and you're talking about regular season, oh, Ryan, I, you got to feel bad for those fan bases if that's what they get nitty gritty about. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think you know how you earn hate? You win a Super Bowl. And right. the Chargers have never done that. Yep. <laughs> so, as to your main question, I would, from a fan perspective, you should never cheer for the other teams in your division to win. In, and I think what, what you may be missing if you're saying that you're hoping to play the best competition or whatever is that you have to deal with these fans every year. Mm-hmm. And if you give them something to hang over you, they will do it. Right now, you know what the Broncos have? What? The most recent Super Bowl in the AFC West. Mm-hmm. And they might even have... The most th- the three most recent Super Bowls in the AFC West. The the Raiders win one in between there? Nope. Right? They just lost nope. that one, right? Yep. So the so the Broncos can hold that <laughs> forever until someone else wins one. They have more Super Bowls than the rest of the division for two decades. Yeah. Don't ever want you don't ever <laughs> want your division to take that away from you. And also, why would you want the rest of your division to be good? And to just be getting better and, and to be on the rise. that That's so short-sighted. Yeah, no. <laughs> Miss me. No. All right, next one's from Billy Bunn. Says, hey, gang, my son David and I have been subscribers via the military deal for around, for about a year, but this is our first comment. Well, comments, so let's get to it. Hey, I love that it's a family affair. I do, too. One, original story. I moved to Denver when I was in third grade in 1977, just in time for Denver's first AFC championship win. The city was electric. Everyone we knew had cases of Orange Crush piled up in their houses, not to drink, but as decorations. <laughs> we were hooked. Graduated from CU Boulder to 1990. Salute. So excited to have T.C. McCartney on the Broncos. Also, great year to graduate. Uh, then I was sent far, far away with the Navy. After retirement from the Navy, we settled here in Virginia Beach, where we had to put up with painful Redskins coverage, so finding mm. BSN was a godsend. Yeah, we're that's s- painful in many accounts. For sure. We're happy to uh, save you. Yeah, we're so happy to have you on board. I'll take the next one. Two. Took my youngest of youngest two of five sons, ages 11 and 15, to their first NFL game and first trip to Denver in October of last year. Yes, it was the loss to the Rams and also the second coldest October Broncos game in history. My poor kids, born and raised in balmy Virginia Beach, didn't know what hit them. The entire stadium sold out of hot chocolate before before halftime. They were troopers, though, and seeing some of their icons 50 feet away from them was surreal. That's awesome to hear. Now on to number three, field day. Did you know that in the military, at least in the Navy, the term field day means to clean some predetermined area? I remember being a freshman at a, uh, an ROTC freshman student in Boulder getting ordered to report to the Marine Major's office for quote-unquote field day and thinking, cool, we're finally going to get to have some fun. Then we were given rags, brooms, and dust pans and told to get to work. So when you first re- reported that Coach Vic had a field day during the last practice, my first thought was, what a jerk, making them clean the fat practice field on their last day. Then it occurred to me that the rest of the free world thinks of a field day in positive ways. That is funny. Did you have any idea of that? No. I had no idea. 
He finally says, that's it for now. Thanks for being a beacon of reason and hope for us living far from God's country. Uh, well, I'm happy you made it to God's country last year. And yeah, that game was cold. They all they all jumble <laughs> together for me when it comes to the weather, especially when they're all losses. That was one of the games. Well, I, I do remember we thought that the cold might be an advantage for the Broncos. I mean, they held them to 20 points. Yeah, that you, you didn't see the worst defensive performance out there. Certainly not. Probably a bad offensive performance. Couldn't tell you one thing about the offense that day. <laughs> what quarterback was playing? Oh, well, it was Case Keenum. What yeah. do you? I think was it three? Did they score three? Oh, no, it was gosh. closer than that. I think it was like twenty to thirteen yeah, or twenty to ten. Close. Yeah, Something yeah, that was a moral twenty-three seventeen. Those are back in the days of moral victories. Eesh. I don't think Vic will have moral victories. Certainly not. From Stebert ninety-two. Figured I'd do my part to get this next pod to two hours and chime in on the current topic. So here's a semi-long one for you. Yeah. We're getting close. One, my first football memory I have is being over at my uncle's house. We were watching a Chiefs at Broncos game because my uncle is a Chiefs fan for some reason. After a few plays, I just said I'm going to be a Broncos fan. The rest is history. Mm. Two, my first jersey was a C.J. Anderson jersey. Once we moved on from him, I knew I needed another. And I was absolutely electric when we drafted Chubb. The day his jersey went up for sale, I bought it. The first game I got to wear it to was the Ravens game. And there was one guy sitting to my right wearing a Von Miller jersey, so we just had to take pictures together as a dynamic duo. <laughs> nice. Skip three, of course. Skip three. Four. Debating on either a DT or Reisner jersey this year. Go Reisner. Yeah. Roll the dice. DT, I'm not telling you he's bad. It's just a long-term play. It, exactly, and maybe one when he he's completely out of the league. I think if you already have a DT jersey, there's no shame in rocking it now. Uh, of course not, but yeah, I'd go Reisner. I would too. Five, as positive the news from OTAs has been, I can't help but feeling a little down after hearing about the issues at center. Here's to hoping things work themselves out before week one. I'm sure seg segment one got you really feeling good about all of this. Six, you guys are the best. This pod is always one of the highlights of my day course seven is retired <laughs> he says eight i just had to get this list long enough to get to elway's yeah. <laughs> well we love having you on board Steebert. you certainly understand the unwritten rules that this community has made yes exactly <laughs> all right i believe this is the final one unless there's a buzzer beater this is the buzzer beater. this is the buzzer beater from true champ fan 24 morning fellas let this one sink in couple thoughts and a question First of all, shirt jerseys are my jam. I wear them quite often. <laughs> I view jerseys as formal wear and only wear them out to the bar with the guys or during game day. Or if I'm mowing my lawn and want to rouse the entire block of Seahawks fans, but I don't want to get grass stains on the old home orange jersey that I paid 100 plus for, I rock my Champ Bailey custom jersey that my wonderful girlfriend made. Wow. Made. You know what's funny about this is right before he dove into this, I thought, Shirtsy, it's a, or shirtsy, sounds like something you wear to bed, and then he went on to kind of defend it as a bed shirt, you know, a workout shirt. So I I can understand it in that respect. I just feel like the 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 real argument here is t-shirts versus jerseys. Hmm, just a general t-shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just saying like I view jerseys as formal wear and wear them to the bar, whereas I wear shirtsies at home mowing the lawn. What's the difference in this context of just? a Broncos t-shirt as opposed to a jersey. Yes. Nothing, right? Right. Yeah. That goes back to my original point of why not just buy a t-shirt. Of just there the cool t-shirts are co are cooler 
than Scherzi's. Yes. But let's say you have an awesome BSM Broncos t-shirt that you want to rep. Are you going to wear that when you're when you're moving all this stuff this week and next? Uh, and possibly rip it, possibly get sweat in it. So what we're saying is that Scherzi's are basically just rags. The, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're not saying that you can never wear one, but understand the time. No, you, you can do whatever you want. I'm just saying... Your Philip Lindsay homegrown is going to look cooler and better than the jersey. And it's a, doing the same thing. You're repping the player, but it's cooler. So what are you wearing to mow the lawn? The I, orange I live in an apartment. Philip Lindsay. That's true. <laughs> I don't like mowing the lawn. Actually, I used to like mowing the lawn. It's fun because you get instant satisfaction. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, I just went over that spot and the grass is lower now. It's like It's like... <laughs> sweeping like a really dirty garage or something where you just like feel it getting cleaner with every movement that's i I enjoy things like that do you actually enjoy it though because there's a lot of people that are like yeah i enjoy mowing the lawn and while i don't i don't hate it i'm not like okay let me plan my week when do i want to do my most enjoyable thing and then let me put mowing the lawn in that time slot yeah in the end, it's still a, like a task. Exactly. Something you have to do. Yep, yep. Well, yep. I guess you don't have to do that. One time I was mowing the lawn and I mowed a snake. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> to that snake. Did you feel it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and heard it. <laughs> oh, no. I hate snakes, so I hate thinking about this. <laughs> but. <laughs> Are you happy there's one less snake in the world I, now? Yes, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I was very sad. Oh. Did it stop the engine? No, no, no. Just, just made a really loud noise. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was not on purpose. The problem was I hadn't mowed the lawn in so long that the grass was so deep that I didn't see it. Oh, my. I don't think I would have ever been able to mow the lawn again, knowing <laughs> that there was a snake in there. Oh, man. Yep. Are we, is, is this going too far down the blood sausage route? Kind of. <laughs> Essentially, a snake is just a living blood sausage. <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> I will never eat. I won't eat snake. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll do it. It's one thing I won't. Because you're scared of... I'm terrified. The, why would it be dead, though? But it's there. I don't like looking at pictures of them online. <sighs> okay. <laughs> He goes on and says, how did we start talking about? Oh, yeah. He goes on and says, Jerry Rice is the greatest non-quarterback in NFL history. That's who I would add behind, besides Peyton. And technically, he was a Bronco. Mm, yeah. Point. Yeah. Would you accept the trade of Gumball in a second for Trent Williams from Washington? Would I accept that? <laughs> yeah. Of course I would, unless I'm Washington. Mm, how much would you pay him? Trent Williams? Yeah, what's the market for a left tackle? 15 mil? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be able to do that right now. Cut Derek Wolf. In a heartbeat. So cut Derek Wolf, or I guess trade Derek Wolf in this package, let's just say. And uh, GB, and a second-round pick for Trent Williams. Easy. How are you feeling about your offensive line then? Great. Yeah. Mm, and what did we say? What is success for this team? What does it revolve around? Offensive line success. And you just told me that I can feel great about my offensive line by losing 
a starting defensive player and a second round pick. Yeah, sign me up. Also, Vic has like essentially told us that like defensive linemen aren't that important. Yeah, yeah. Just have to be able to move them in and out. And Keep what are you fresh. what what are you losing with Derek Wolf? You're losing a year, and just being realistic, you're losing twelve games. You're you're not even losing a full season. Who like who, is there anyone out there like clowning the Broncos for being like, wow, they're paying two offensive linemen thirty million? Like no, not if their offensive line is good. Not exactly, and not when Joey Bosa is being limited when you're playing him, and uh, and the Chiefs. Yeah, not when Joe Flacco's standing up. Yeah heartbeat in a heartbeat now if it's easy on one side you think the you think the skins would like that yeah but their hands are tied they just don't want to pay him i guess i know you said there's other stuff going on with him he said it had something to do with the way they treated him after an injury Mm. that's happened multiple times with redskins players so does he just want out that's what it sounds like oh now do you think the broncos do this not not necessarily this deal but a deal. Probably not. Yeah. I think they're, they may be counting on Mike Munchak a little too much. And where, okay, let's give him a year then see. A year from now, Trent Williams isn't just available. Right. Pull the, pull the trigger. Sometimes you got to be bold. That would certainly be bold. It would be. All right. That does officially wrap it up for us today on the BSN Broncos podcast. We didn't quite hit two hours, which might be bad for you guys, but I have to move, so it's okay for me. But we did get close. Uh, And with that, I think we're going to call it a day on the BSN Broncos podcast. So thank you guys for tuning in, uh, as always. And make sure you you do go check out that deal on bsndenver.com. Buy a subscription, get a shirt, get you all hooked up, and and part of the family. You don't have to buy a jersey. How easy is that? Have a good day, guys, and we'll catch back up with you tomorrow on the BSN Broncos podcast. It's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S., 
So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. 